I'm Professor Tariq Modud of the University of Bristol and have been working on multiculturalism with special reference to British Muslims since about the late 1980s. So that's over 30 years. Um, I have many publications. The best known is my book, Multiculturalism, A Civic Idea. And I've helped to nurture what has come to be called the Bristol School of Multiculturalism. My lecture is on multiculturalism and its relation to integration and national identity. This topic has become very important in many countries, such as the US, Canada, Australia, Western Europe, including Britain. Namely countries that experienced significant migration from former colonies and the global south more generally after the Second World War, such that those migrations, sorry, migrants, and their children and grandchildren are now citizens of those countries. This raises the question of what equal citizenship means in the context of this post-colonial ethno-racial and ethno-religious context. And that's exactly what my lecture is about. So let's, let's get started. So let's begin with integration. And you'll see from the slide that I say integration presupposes what we refer to as difference. That is to say, some groups of citizens are identified as being different in some relation or other. Because integration or multiculturalism is about relations between citizens and citizens, and citizens and their polity or state or country, depending exactly how you conceptualize it. And so if some citizens are thought in some sense to be different, along you know, race, ethnicity, and religion, and so on, that means that the issue is about the identity of those citizens, and in general, about the relations between different identities uh, in that citizenship context, in that polity. By identity here, I'm talking about something that has two aspects what I've called from this in this on the slide, from the outside in and from the inside out. What I mean by that is from the outside in that people, and in particular minorities, are often described, labeled, um, stereotyped by other people, by the majority population or by dominant by dominant groups. They have an identity that's imposed upon them. It could be a, a color identity, it could be some kind of distorted religious identity, whatever it might be. And any minority will be aware of that and can't ignore that. That's in a way part of their social location and their social identity. But identity has another aspect too, which I'm calling from the inside out. That is to say that all people, all groups have a sense 
of who they are, have some sense about themselves, about their own identity. So this is what I mean by saying that it comes from the inside, it comes from the group itself. And they project that onto, uh, into their relationships, into the context that they find themselves in, into the shared social and public space. And sometimes they try to change that public space so that it better reflects their own identity rather than the imposed identity, which could be quite distorting or inferiorizing. And multiculturalism is, this is exactly where multiculturalism comes in, because it seeks recognition, inclusion, and accommodation of the inside identity whilst opposing the identity that's imposed upon the minority. So multiculturalism is about recognizing the identity, recognizing the group as it is or aspires to be, not as it's created by uh, an outside force and including that identity and accommodating that into the shared public space. Moving on, I say that think of integration as having three levels. There's what we might call everyday cultural encounters, you know, meetings in public places, including workplace, but also parks and theatres and shopping malls and so on. The second level is what I'm calling sectoral or legal. As you can see from the slide, that includes the legal status that a person or a group of people have, their rights, their position uh, in the labor market, how they're treated in the labor market, issues around residential concentration and so on. So that's the second level. But integration is incomplete without the third level, which I'm calling macro-symbolic. By macro, I mean it's to do with not uh, personal relationships or uh, the kind of everyday encounters that I talked about at the first level. And it's symbolic because it's to do with our ideas, with uh, certain meanings, historical narratives, basically the kinds of things that hang on identities. And to explain what I mean, I have a quote here from a commission uh, from Quebec, Canada, that was uh, chaired by Gerard Bouchard and Charles Taylor, published in 2008. And the quote is, as you can see, that the symbolic framework of integration, identity, religion, perception of the other, collective memory, and so on, is no less important than its functional or material framework. And it's at this level, this third level, this macro-symbolic level, that multiculturalism uh, is kind of unique or distinctive uh, contribution operates at. And therefore, its contribution to integration is best understood at this level as well.
Now, integration is a contested concept. That is to say, there are different understandings of integration, different political understandings of inter integration, and people sometimes, uh, some people favor one, and others oppose it and favor another. And this is, we see this all the time in political uh, debate, uh, in policy making, in civil rights, uh, civil society activism, and so on. I've identified here four modes of integration that I'm going to talk about. Assimilation, individualist integration, cosmopolitanism, and multiculturalism. So let's, let's turn uh, to those. If you look at the table, table one, called four modes of integration, you'll see that the four modes of integration are on the table as columns. And the first column on the left-hand side describes uh, the different things that the table tries to capture. So the top row is called objects of policy, or what you might call the targets of policy. What is it that the policy is uh, aimed at, or who is it aimed at? Who or what? And then the rest of the table consists of the three concepts which you will instantly recognize as the famous triad of the French Revolution. Liberty, equality, and fraternité, or if you like, solidarity, which perhaps uh, is a more common way of expressing it today. And what I'm trying to show in this table, what I'm arguing, is that the four modes of integration, each, because they're about citizenship, citizenship integration, they each work with these three concepts, liberty, equality, and fraternity. But they have quite different understandings of what these concepts mean. So let's look in a bit more detail. So the top row says what the object or target of policy is. For assimilation, it's individuals and groups marked by difference. So that's pretty straightforward. For individualist integration, it's more than that. It's individuals marked by difference, but especially their treatment by discriminatory practices of state and civil society. So that's a, a significant addition. But on the other hand, because it's an individualist perspective, it loses sight of the groups that was in the assimilation uh, object. Next row, cosmopolitanism is the same as individualist integration, but to which it adds and societal ideas, can you see the last three lines, and societal ideas, especially of us and them. So individualist integration is much more focused on discrimination, on practices and institutions, and cosmopolitanism adds the level of ideas. Therefore, the macro-symbolic that I was referring to. And then multiculturalism is has the same object of policy as cosmopolitanism. Turning to the first of the three concepts, liberty, 
assimilation says, you know, its take on liberty is minorities must be encouraged to conform to the dominant cultural pattern. The individualist integration on liberty, uh, take on liberty is minorities are free to assimilate or cultivate their identities in private. So that's an important qualification in private, but are discouraged from thinking of themselves as minority, but rather they should think of themselves as individuals. Cosmopolitanism's take on liberty is that neither minority nor majority individuals should think of themselves as belonging to a single identity, but be free to mix and match. So it's a, it's a strongly, as it were, liberty-loving uh, interpretation. And the multiculturalism, its take is my, members of minorities should be free to assimilate, to mix and match, or, and this is where it's different from cosmopolitanism, or to cultivate group membership in proportions of their own choice. Let's turn to equality. Assimilation says equality is presence of difference in provokes discrimination and so is to be avoided. So it's, it's anti-difference because difference is what is to be avoided. The individualist integration take on equality is discriminatory treatment must be actively eliminated so everyone is treated as an individual and not on the basis of difference. Cosmopolitanism says anti-discrimination must be accompanied by the dethroning of the dominant culture. So cosmopolitanism, as I've interpreted it here, focuses much more on the general or the dominant culture. And multiculturalism, says, in addition to anti-discrimination, the public sphere must accommodate the presence of new group identities and norms. So notice here that unlike cosmopolitanism, which of course multiculturalism in some ways is close to, but here the difference is that multiculturalism is not just symbolic. It's not just about cultural uh, symbols. And nor is it focused just on the majority culture as domination, because it's focused on accommodation of group identities and norms, rather than on doing something to the dominant culture because it wants the minorities to be included. And finally, uh, fraternity or solidarity. For assimilation, the target is, the object is, a strong homogenous national identity. That's what it believes uh, solidarity should consist in, solidarity among citizens. Individualist integration says, well, absence of discrimination and nurturing individual autonomy within a national liberal democratic citizenship. That's enough solidarity for that individualist integration. Cosmopolitanism 
says people should be free to unite across communal and national boundaries and should think of themselves as global citizens. So there's no particular sense that the national citizenship is to be privileged. It's just one amongst a number of identities, um, possible forms of citizenships, possible statuses and senses of belonging. And for multiculturalism, fraternity or solidarity means citizenship and national identity must be remade to include group identities that are important to minorities as well as majorities. The relationship between groups should be dialogical rather than one of domination or uniformity. So those are four modes of integration and multiculturalism being one of them, but hopefully you can see some contrasts as well as obviously overlaps between some or all of them. And I'm going to focus uh, obviously on multiculturalism in this lecture and in particular on the last box that I, that I read out. Because in a way, we have to ask ourselves, well, what is the relationship between multiculturalism and the national, the idea of the national, the national uh, citizenship, um, the country, and so on? Firstly, the important thing is to say multiculturalism does not accept the possibility of liberal state cultural neutrality in the way that, say, individualist integration does. So the multiculturalist says no state can be culturally neutral because each state, for instance, has to operate in a language or at least a limited number of languages in English or Chinese, in French or in uh, Spanish and, and so on. And people who don't know that language will obviously have their citizenship uh, severely uh, curtailed. They won't be able to participate uh, in the life of the civil society or in the life of the polity in anything like the same way. Uh, and it's not just language, for instance, just the calendar. Uh, which are the days that we are required to work, our employers may ask us to work, and which are the days that the employer may not ask us to work. Or if they ask us to work, they have to pay us extra. Uh, obviously in Britain, Monday to Friday are working days, then we have a weekend where of course plenty of people work, uh, but it is recognized that they can be paid overtime uh, or be given time off in, in lieu. Moreover, we have what we call bank holidays, you know, national holidays, where people can't be required to work. So there are some, some limited number of jobs where they could be, but where if they are working, they have to be paid extra. So this includes things like Christmas, but why Christmas Day? Why not Eid or Diwali? So these are the ways that a state is not culturally neutral. It has a particular history, of course. It hasn't dropped out of, out of the sky. And so 
that's one of the reasons that multiculturalism doesn't accept the liberal position of integration or on integration. Turning to the second point on this slide, I say multiculturalism works with the idea of a multi-level governance or rights. You know, for instance, local, national, supranational, like the European Union or perhaps some international uh, conventions like the United Nations Declaration of Rights. But I add, not the devaluing of national citizenship. So multiculturalism does not require the devaluing of national citizenship, which remains the primary source of liberty, equality, and uh, solidarity, because that's the level at which the most important laws are made, at which the most important uh, protections for minorities and for citizens in general are debated, thrashed out, and passed in law or overturned by a future government in law. That's where decisions are made in terms of funding, you know, whether it's funding to do with schools or defense, whether it's funding to do with the National Health Service or the distribution of money across the regions, across cities versus rural and so on. So the national is a core part of citizenship, but it's not the only level at which our citizenship is manifested. And so multiculturalism must work with all levels at which our citizenship is manifested. But as I say, recognizing that these levels are not of the same importance or of the same value to individuals. And we have to recognize that citizenship, besides being uh, about rights and obligations, like uh, obligations to pay tax and so on, um, involves fraternity, involves solidarity. People have a sense of concern for their citizenship and therefore also for other citizens that they don't have in the same way for people who are not uh, their citizens. And they have or can come to have, because this is really quite a high level of citizenship, come to have a sense of belonging to their uh, polity, to the body of uh, citizenry and to its you know, historic uh, existence. And the national then comes in quite significantly because for a lot of people, citizenship just by itself is quite a sort of dry, kind of legalistic matter, perhaps also to do with passports and something like that. And obviously people only, most people only get activated around politics at very limited times, elections being one or some, one of those times, uh, some polit political crisis, perhaps. Uh, but that's exactly the reason why uh, citizenship tends to coalesce around a sense of nationality. I mean, th there is the political structure, but also people feel they need something 
more emotional and imaginative. And the idea of a country, the idea of a national story, a national history, um, you know, whether it's kings and queens or uh, the rise and fall of certain kinds of uh, cultures or projects or uh, political movements, people identify much more and more easily and more people identify with a national uh, sense of belonging than just a belonging to citizenship. So while citizenship is the core of multiculturalism, especially as a normative idea, it nevertheless works with the idea of the national because the national gives citizenship a emotional and imaginative character and resonance that it doesn't have by itself. And that then leads to what I might call the, the greatest challenge that multiculturalism presents to citizens. And that is not just simply anti-discrimination, not even simply the inclusion and accommodation of uh, cultural difference, but of rethinking what it means to be a citizen and what it means to be a member of this country, of a country, what it means to be British or French or Canadian or Indian and so on. And so in this sense, multiculturalism is about retelling the national story, about remaking the national story. So it explains how the current composition of citizens became part of the national story. So in the case of Britain, of course, that would involve thinking about the British Empire and everything that goes with it, because that explains how the ethnic minorities became British. They didn't become, most of them, people like, you know, my father coming from Pakistan, didn't become British in entering um, Heathrow Airport or entering uh, the island of Britain, but of course he was made British. <clears throat> he was made British as were our ancestors through the British Empire. You know the the saying, "We are here because you were over there." So that means that we have to tell a story about Britain, which explains that we have been part of the British story, and we therefore. Um, explains the importance of multiculturalism today and of reshaping the British identity to include us in a fully multiculturalist way. The key idea of the lecture then is that integration is a contested idea and multiculturalism is one mode of integration and there are others. Multiculturalism differs from other modes of integration, such as assimilation, individualist integration, and cosmopolitanism. Like them, however, it can be understood in terms of liberty, equality, and solidarity. But, and this is quite important, group identities are to be included 
in citizenship integration. Citizenship can't be understood just as being as about individuals. And citizenship also has to be understood, therefore, as an inclusive and multiculturalist form of national belonging. So that's my lecture. You will see that there is some further reading if you want to uh, explore some of these ideas further. And there are also some questions for discussion. I hope, I hope this has been useful to you. Thank you.